That's awesome. Good morning. It's good to see each one of you here today, and I thank you so much for being here as we are here to study God's Word. I must share with you, though, that <clears throat> that in all honesty, the Lord has convicted me hard to share this with you. And I will preach to you this morning as though this will be the last message you ever hear from me. Some of you will disagree. Some of you I will upset. But I am convicted and I believe in all my heart that there are those here today that don't have a clear understanding of the gospel. I can never do a ministry halfway. And I pray that this morning that you listen, that you investigate Scripture for yourself. It has been said that more people believe more what somebody says the Bible says than what the Bible actually says. We have learned to regurgitate other people's words and have a misunderstanding of doctrine. I cannot and shall not compromise the Word of God. Again, I will preach as though this will be the last message I ever share. If you have your Bibles, please stand with me as we read the Word of God, Revelation 21. Revelation 21 will be through verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them, and he shall be his, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. And there will be no longer be any mourning or crying or pain for the first things have passed away. And He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And He said, Write for these words are faithful and true. Then He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. And he who overcomes will inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But for the cowardly, the unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars... 
Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let us be seated. A few, well, quite a few months ago, we went through the book of Revelation. And as we went through the book of Revelation, I thought this was a passage that needed revisiting. I cannot help but think that in the church today, that the gospel of Christ has turned into six flags over Jesus. If we tell people what they want to hear long enough, pretty soon they'll believe it. And there, as the generations will progress, the gospel will get watered down. And pretty soon, as it progresses even further, the gospel turns more into a man-made word than it is the word of God. Alistair Brown tells the story of going through a park. And as he goes through this park, he sees an oak tree. Oak tree that had been there for many years. And this oak tree had been surrounded by vines. And these vines had begun to overwhelm the oak tree and had begun to go up and take over. The little creepers, the little leaves, had begun to go up and take over this tree, so much for the fact that birds had begun to nest in the vines. Now, it was beautiful to look at, but the oak tree was in trouble. So the gardeners knew that the only way to save this tree was to cut the root of the vine in its center. And slowly those leaves that creeped up and began to choke the life out of this oak tree would soon die and fade away. But he would have to cut the root of the vine. See, that's the way sin is in our lives. It will choke us completely out until Jesus Christ removes the root. That's true victory. You see, this morning I want to talk to you about the overcomers. How is this applicable to Revelation 21? Well, I'm going to tell you. As we went through the Revelation 21, what we saw is John sees a vision from heaven. The beast, the Antichrist, they're done. And Jesus, in all His glory, and God the Father on the throne, says, this is your reward. Those that overcome. You see, what had happened, and I want you to understand in context, that from Genesis to Revelation, the ultimate reconciliation has been made. Fully, full fellowship with God again. Because at the fall of man, men were separated from God. And at the beginning of time to the end of time, there's that desire for foolish fellowship to be reconciled. That we're in God's presence. And the text tells us that He will dwell among His people. That those who were His will dwell among the Father. We could not see God in all His glory. Moses, the others could not see the full effect of God in His great holiness because we are sinful people. And we cannot look upon the glory and the holiness of God 
But when men have been reconciled by the blood of Jesus Christ, there's coming a day when men and women shall join in fellowship with the Father. John sees this. He said, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and He will dwell among them. Oh, to have fellowship with God. The Bible says He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No longer any death. No longer any mourning or crying or pain. For those things have passed away. We live in a sinful world where every one of you will experience death, pain, and mourning. But in the presence of God, that will all be done. And see, because of your faithfulness and trust in Jesus Christ, that reward that awaits for us is fellowship with the Father. See, the Bible says, He who sits on the throne, see, I'm making all things new. Let me tell you something, and please listen to me. Every one of us will buy something that we think is new. Whether it be that car, whether it be that camper, whether it be that house, whether it be that couch, whether it be a set of clothes, but I can assure you that it will get old. And nothing that you have will bring you satisfaction. But the newness that God creates is new, which is new, that will never be destroyed, never be defiled by sin, and will never fade away. Because it has been made by His glory, for His glory, and we are to be rewarded in fellowship with Him in it. You see, I often think that many people think they're going to join in this fellowship that everybody anticipates heaven. But nobody has a clear understanding of the gospel that saves us, that we will be rewarded with fellowship with the Father. You see, it says, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega is the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. Jesus is our A to Z. In Him all things are complete. And separate from Him they are not. And he says, I am, these words are faithful and true. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. And he who overcomes, the overcomer, I will be his God and he will be my son. I want you to think about this for a few moments. What does that mean? Listen, to be an overcomer means this, that you have hung faithfully to the garment of Jesus Christ regardless of circumstances. That regardless of what you've gone through, whether it be a broken relationship, a broken family, a broken life, sickness, death, that you continually cling to Christ, you're an overcomer. The Bible tell, I mean, the Bible tells me that he who holds unswervingly to his faith is an overcomer. You see, the very interesting thing that even Dwight Eisenhower said is this. There are no victories at discount prices. To be an overcomer means you stand fast to the end. 
It means Jesus is not something that you serve part-time, but you serve completely. That you hold to regardless. You say, Chad, I have a relationship with Christ. Do you? I know Jesus. Does Jesus know you? If you have been changed by Jesus Christ, you have a testimony. Now listen to me. Hear this good. No moving about. If you have been born again by Jesus Christ, you have a beginning of what happened and you have an end. This is what I was. This is what Christ has done. This is where I am now. No testimony, no salvation. I have so many people say, Chad, I went to church. I got out of church. Now I'm back in the church. Mom and Daddy had me in the church. You can go to church all you want, but if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you do not have a relationship with Christ. It doesn't matter how much you've given. It doesn't matter how many times you've attended. Relationship with Christ is not solely based on your attendance here today. It is on your relationship with Jesus Christ. Does He know you? You see, Chad, you always want to bring up the gospel in church. Absolutely. Because I cannot take for granted that some of you were not like me sitting in these pews today and do not have a relationship with Him. But I was raised in church. So were a lot of atheists. Being raised in church will not secure you a place in front of Christ. You must be an overcomer. So what does overcomer mean? does it mean? It means those who have not only made a profession of Christ, but those who live for Christ daily. You see, I'm going to get into the part where people begin to squint their eyes at me. But I pray that you hear what is said. The Bible tells me that He will be our Father. We will be His Son. We are heirs because of Christ if you're in Him. The relationship restored. The relationship restored with God that He is our Father, Abba. And we are His Son. Not because of our own effort, but because of Christ and Him alone. But listen to what the Word says. He who overcomes will inherit these things. You see, it's an inheritance. A lot of people want to go to heaven. A lot of people want to go to heaven. But just because you want to go to heaven don't mean you will. Christ is enough now. Heaven is a reward. He says he will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. The overcomer, he who stands faithful. You see, understanding context of what is happening here is in Revelation 13, They were those who were going through a tribulation period and they stood firm. 
Somebody hurts our feelings and we think it's tribulation. We lose our job. We lose a relationship. And I'm not saying those things don't hurt. But let me tell you what tribulation is. Tribulation is true persecution for your faith in Jesus Christ. That's tribulation. Knowing that you are hated because everybody first hated Christ. That's tribulation. You see, look what he says. Those who overcome will inherit these things. Now listen, those who overcome, those who overcome, your right relationship with God has been restored because of Christ and Christ alone. Not anything on your effort. It is by grace you have been saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. But if you're saved, according to Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good things. Listen, you don't work to get to Christ. You work because you're in Christ. And a faith that is a true faith will produce fruit. Listen to me. Well, Chad, I'm a Christian. What does your fruit tree look like? No fruit? No Christ. Now, Chad, you're being technical. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. Chad, I believe in Jesus. Well, James tells me that demons believe and they tremble. Demons know Christ too. And they tremble at His name. But those who overcome, those who stand in the face of regardless of whatever it may be, and said, my feet are planted on the solid rock of Jesus, those are your overcomers. But listen to this. But for the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable, and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire. Listen to me, people, if you never hear another word I say. I find it interesting that he starts off this word, but for the cowards. The cowards in the Greek means the shameful timid that you're ashamed of Christ. You see, I'm going to tell you a little story. That when God first called me to be a missionary, we did a restart at a church in Pennsylvania. In 2000 and into 2007, we go up there. If y'all remember, 2007, 2008 was the housing crash. We couldn't sell our house. I took a job making a quarter of what I had to live at the basement of a church with my wife and two teenage boys. The last thing I remember, my brother moving me up there, is they had made sandwiches for us to eat. One person at the church showed up to help us move our stuff in. One person. As where they are moving into the basement of this church, my boys are hating it. 
because I took them away from everything they ever knew. And my wife and I are sitting on the side of the bed in the middle of nowhere, 800 miles from Greer, with $12 and a bucket of sandwiches. And I turned to my wife, now go with me on this, what have we done? And I want to tell you something as a pastor, I want you to hear real clear, just like the rest of the pastors. We do not have the privilege and opportunity to go home and say, that was good, that was bad, maybe somebody might be mad. Every word we speak could be our last. Do you hear me? People are fickle. They'll turn on you in an instant. And I looked at my wife and I said, you know what? Here we are. We have no home. We have nowhere to go. And if I say the wrong thing, these people could run me off tomorrow. Where am I going to go? And my wife said, you be faithful to the word because God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. So I want you to hear what I'm saying this morning. Are you a coward? You see, that didn't sit well with me. Because yes, there's times when I get afraid. I can promise you as I prepare messages, I don't get up here and say, Woo, I hope we leave and everybody sends me flowers. But I'll tell you this. It don't sit well with me. Because God has not given me the spirit of fear. Second Timothy tells me this. If I in Him, I don't have the spirit of fear. Yes, I get afraid, but I don't dwell in it. You see the difference? You don't dwell in it. And I cannot get this off my mind that there are people that are cowards for the Word of God. What is it that you won't give up for God? What are you scared of? I think about that so often. Are you afraid of losing a friend? Isn't it amazing that Jesus got on to the religious that followed Him? They professed His name in front of their group. But then they backtracked when they knew they wouldn't get into the synagogue or afraid of getting thrown out of it. Oh, I love Jesus. Woo! I love Jesus. You afraid you might lose a friend? Well, join my ever circle of shrinking ones. Christ is greater than any friend. You afraid of losing your job? You afraid because you stand up for Christ? You're going to lose your job? Let me tell you something, people. An overcomer realizes that it is not his job that's his provider. It's God. Well, I don't want to say much about God. Are you afraid of losing your home? Are you afraid of losing your children, your wife? Let me tell you something. I want everybody to hear this real clear. And you can throw a brick at me on the way out, but I tell you this the family is where it starts, people. There's nobody here or out there that calls herself a believer that should ever put their spouse or children above Christ. If you do, you're a coward. 
I didn't say that. Yes, I did. The Bible says that. I love my wife. I love my four kids. But if I love Christ less than them, I'm a coward. Because I should see and desire for my family to grow in Christ, not grow in themselves. Let me tell you something. If you don't put your spouse or Christ above your spouse or children, let me tell you what 1 Timothy 5.8 says. You're worse than an unbeliever. You're worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty bad. Your desire should be for your family and children to grow in Jesus, not grow away from Him. And I refuse to be one in my home. Well, Chad, what if your children disagree with you? Then I got to man up and lead by the example of Jesus Christ. I got to man up. Does that mean everything's going to go well? No. But I can tell you this, there's a way to lead in the example of Jesus Christ, and there's a way not to lead. She is not my subordinate. She is my co-laboring, co-equal, led by Christ and Christ alone. Don't ever forget that. We wonder why so many problems are in the family. We created them. You want to know why your kids act crazy? Because they see their parents act crazy. You know why your kids don't pray at night? Because you don't. I'm not going to be a coward in my home. I can't. I am responsible as an adult to lead. I won't be a coward at work. Because you know what? They may take my job. One day I might be on the street and lose everything I have. Been there, done that. It's all right. But I'll tell you this. That inheritance is my reward. And if we'd start getting eternal minded instead of earthly minded, we'd be surprised how at peace we could live. Are you afraid to share the gospel? What scares you? I'm afraid people reject me. The greatest thing we can get in the United States is somebody cuss us out or give us the great one finger salute. If that's the worst you get, you'll be fine. You see, American Christianity a lot of times is based more on a godless culture than it is the Word of God. Because somehow, shape, form, or fashion, we believe He was created for our good and not us for Him. But then He says, the cowardly, the unbelieving, these are the ones that deny Jesus. Well, I believe, do you? Because belief means commitment. It means full force commitment to the truth of the Word of God. If Christ said it, it's true. If Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me, it's truth. What do you believe? The abominable. In the Greek, it means detestable. Those people hate everybody and themselves. Hedonist. They love finding more pleasure in themselves than they do in God's glory. 
Get it? Why you get it? You're on this earth. What's that? YOLO? You only live once? You got that right, brother. As I said, I'm not going to pack all your things in that U-Haul and Penske and take them behind you. Somebody else will enjoy your little tricks. Worldly pleasures will never satisfy the curse of sin. Only Christ will. Murderers. Chad, I've never murdered any person. Well, according to Jesus, if you hate somebody in your heart, you've committed murder. And I'm sure every one of us at one time or the other have had people in our lives we wouldn't give our electric, we wouldn't get out of the electric chair to give them a drink of water. Because I'm going to tell you what's here, listen to me real good. I want everybody to hear me. All eyes on me. What is here will come out here. I didn't mean to say it. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. What's here will come out here. Are you detestable? Are you a murderer? Are you immoral? Are you immoral? Sexually immoral in the context. We should learn by the Word of God that even in Solomon and all his glory and all his women, he still never was satisfied. The richest king in the world, according to the text, had women and things. And at the end of his life, he would sit on a hill and say, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It is meaningless. You know, so many people work to gain so many things. And so many people try to have so many relationships that will try to satisfy them, but at the end of the day, they're looking for another one that will never bring you comfort. It will never bring you peace. Sorcerers! Those people who love mediums. Let me tell you something. If you're a born-again believer, there is no reason you need to be reading the astrology report. Do you hear me? I'm a Capricorn. I don't care what you are. I don't even know what I am. I don't care. I'm not going to the newspaper and their version of the farmer's almanac. God has orchestrated my days. And until He calls me home, I'm immoral, mortal. And so are you. But I can't guarantee you you're going to walk out that door and live through the day. Are you an overcomer? Idolaters. What is it you put above Jesus? Idolatry is more than worshiping false gods. See, I want you to understand what is happening here again in context and why I'm making it applicable to you. You see, during this time of tribulation, those that were overcomers, those that wouldn't take the mark of the beast, they were overcomers. Now, it cost them their lives. Now, the ones that didn't take the mark of the beast, they were immediately concerned with saving their lives. But even in the midst of it, they might have saved their lives temporarily, but their souls were doomed to hell. Do you hear this? They might have saved their life for a second because they stood up and said, I don't want to do this. And they got out of it. Jesus even tells us in Matthew, don't worry about man. The most he can do is kill you. You worry and be concerned about the man who can kill you and send your soul to hell. What is it we place above Christ? 
our jobs. Again, I can promise you, and I'm going to say something that's going to be offensive, but I'm going to, I want you to get over it. You see, I'm going to tell you a little bit about me even before, after I got saved. I worked at a plant for 13 years. I was a pretty decent mechanic in my own eyes. My own eyes. But I want people to understand that I had a lot of responsibilities. Man, I had the flip phone. I had the beeper. Remember the beepers? And I had my house number. Tiffany tell you, they'd call me left and right. Let me tell you how many times they've called me since I've been gone. You're replaceable. Your job is not your savior. Your money? Ain't gonna help you. It's not gonna save us. I'm telling you right now, if you're relying on Social Security, you're in trouble. And if you're relying on your 401k, same way. You rely on Christ. If you're an overcomer, not only does your life belong to Christ, your finances do too. You hear me? Every aspect of your being is Christ. He is the great giver. He's the great taker away. Have we not learned anything from Job? That in the sound of his voice, after losing everything, say, though he slay me, I will trust in him. Do you trust him? What's an idol to you? And all liars. Liars. Oh, it's just a white lie. It's a lie. Liars shall not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a lot of people I know that call themselves a believer that will tell you anything you want to hear. I think sometimes we enjoy telling lies just to get aroused out of our stories. Immoral, cowards, liars. These lifestyles are not part of the Christian life. Now let me clear something up for you. Are we going to fail? Yes. But I want you to listen to me. When all in doubt, go to God's Word. I want you to listen. And I'm going to make this bridge. 1 John chapter 2, listen. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, Father, Jesus Christ, and the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whosoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, in Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him. For whoever, whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way that He walks. We will fail. But failure should never be an excuse to live in total sin. Do you hear me? I will let you down. I will fail. But my life should not continue in it. There's a difference in feeling sorry for your sin and turning from it. Those who continue 
will only change or look as they will when they get caught. Those who repent of their sin know they're guilty before a holy God and want to turn, not feel sorry. Does that make sense? There's a difference. But their part will be the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let me tell you, Jesus talks a lot about hell, where your thirst is never quenched and the worm is never satisfied. You'll want to die and can't. But listen to me, I'm not trying to scare the hell out of you. There are a lot of people that want to go to heaven because they're afraid of getting their skin singed. Let me tell you something. Understand that in the life and the enormity of your guilt that you've got to stand before a holy, righteous God. You've heard me say, like the words of Paul Washer, the three words that should send us trembling is God is good. Why? Why? Because we're not. I have to stand before a holy, righteous God, and you will too. The Bible tells me, but whosoever shall call upon his name shall be saved. I don't want to be immoral. I don't want to be a coward. I want to live for Christ. You see, as I leave here today, there'll be those that said, man, what was into him? There'll be those that say, I don't like him. They may be those who said, well, it is what it is. But what I am hoping and praying is somebody's convicted by the Holy Spirit. Because I want you to understand, and please listen to me, my heart burns that I know that if I left this for the last time, there may be some of you I'd never see again. What profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? Do you know if you died today, you'd spend eternity with Christ? If you were standing before Jesus right now and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you tell him? My mama told me I could be here. Ain't gonna work. I made a profession of faith. But did your life reflect it? I said a prayer. Everybody prays. Since I was baptized, been to church all my life, I give. I cannot help but think of the words of Jesus. Did I not do this in your name? Did I not do that in your name? And what would he say? Depart from me. I never knew you. Believe it or not, Pastor Chad cares about your soul. And as I've said many times, I'd rather everybody leave mad at me than knowing that you was going to spend eternity in hell. Have you made your life right with Christ? You see, I don't want to be a liar and I don't want to be a coward. Somebody give this to me. And I want to read it to you. I have this hanging up on the wall of my office before I exit the door. That I can read it every day. It was quoted by a man by the name of Jim Elliott. Now see, most of you may not know who he was, but I'm going to tell you who Jim Elliott was. Jim Elliott and four other men would minister to the Alka Indians in South America. And they would all be murdered for their faith. They would all die a martyr's death. Every one of them. 
they would find their bodies days later going down the river. And Jim Elliott said this before he died. Father, make me a crisis man. Bring those I contact to decision. Let me not be a milepost on a single road, but make me a fork. That men must turn one way or another on facing Christ in me. I try to live by that mantra. I don't ever want to be a hindrance to the gospel. I don't want anybody to leave here not knowing that if they stepped out into eternity, they'd spend eternity in hell. I care for you. And I know this is not the preaching that will pack our pews or our seats. This is not the stuff that everybody likes to hear. But you cannot have a relationship with Christ until you have put your faith and trust in Him and turned from your sin and committed to Him. There is no other way. And understand, you're only obligated to hear the gospel once. You say, Chad, what do you know that we don't know? I don't have a thing. But if anything I've learned the past few years is never assume anything. People will let you down. And not everybody that puts on that face as we talked about this past Wednesday are real. Because we will know them by the fruits that they bear. So I ask you to ask yourself this morning, is my tree producing fruit or is it a withered fig tree? Does my life reflect Christ? Does my life reflect Christ that I am an overcomer that no matter what comes my way and it might cost me everything in my life, but I will cling to the garment of Jesus? And again, I'm not saying you won't have fears. Of course we have fears. But that is not the spirit that is in us, nor will it consume us, because greater than is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Are we people of decision? That when they see us, they either see Christ or run from him? I will close with this. Have you ever been somewhere and somebody say, I've been watching you and you're afraid of what they may say? We're either pointing people toward Christ or we're pointing people away from Him. Don't be a coward. Don't be immoral. Don't be a liar. You may be here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can. The Bible says that He is faithful. He is righteous. And He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Just believe. You see, every one of us have a God-sized hole that only He can fill. And you may try to fill it with a lot of other things, but I can promise you, you'll come up empty. But the Word of God tells me very clearly that Jesus is more than you need. He's all you need. And I can't guarantee you your life will be roses. I can't guarantee you you won't be sick. I can't guarantee you that you will have money. 
I can't guarantee you anything this world promises you, but what I can guarantee you is if you have your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that there's nothing that won't happen that God won't allow to happen to you. Number one. Number two, you can rest assured that you may walk on this earth in trouble, but you won't have to walk it alone. Number three, and when you leave this earth and you take your last breath, you'll be in His presence. Amen? Consider what I said. What profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? You may be here today and say, Chad, I am a Christian, but I'm struggling right now. You don't understand what I'm struggling. I'm struggling at my job. I'm struggling in my home. And bury your nose in the Word of God and bury your knees in prayer. I can't guarantee you that your situation is going to change. As oftentimes we like to misquote Romans, for God causes all things to work to good for those that love Him, that are called according to His purpose. God never promised to change your circumstance. Please hear me on this. But that verse is to tell you to grow closer to Him. Are you struggling as a Christian? Is your heart convicted? Don't you realize that we have a Father that will forgive us? And I'm going to say something else too this morning. I don't know why. But I believe there's somebody that, you know, look, now hear me good. I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet. When you hear somebody claim they be a prophet, you better investigate it by Scripture and run at the same time. Listen. But I truly believe that God has called somebody here for something more. I'm going to tell you. Listen. Ministry ain't always fun. You see things you never thought you'd see. You'll be hurt. You'll be surprised. But there's no greater place to be than in the center of the will of God. As my son prepares to go to another nation, it troubles me. I'm going to miss him. But at least I know that he's going into a world where there's lost people. And he's not a coward. Because let me tell you something. Regardless of whether you live here, South America, Africa, or wherever it may be, every man that proclaims faith in Jesus Christ, we're all brothers. Doesn't matter what color you are or who your daddy was. But all of us have placed our faith and trust in him or reconciled, and we're family. And I rejoice knowing that he's got the privilege to do something. That may be you. I'm not saying God's calling you to go to Africa. But maybe he's calling you to go to your next door neighbor that you despise and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe he's calling you somewhere else. I'm not going to draw anything out. I don't believe in forcing people to do anything. That's the Holy Spirit's job to save. It's not mine. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. That's not mine. It's the Holy Spirit's job to call. That is not my job.
I'm not God. He's God and I'm not. I mess things up bad now. I need Him. But what I will do is I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not going to draw anything out. I promise I'm not that guy. But what I want everybody to do is pray. And I want you to seek your heart. Is there something you're missing? Is it a relationship with Jesus Christ? Brothers and sisters, I don't know when you're going to leave this world, but you can know how you leave it. Maybe God's calling you to do something greater. Maybe God's calling you, dear brother Christian, to struggling and backslidden to repent and come home. I want to take a few moments. And let's pray. If you want to pray there in your seat, that's fine. If you want to come up front and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day and we thank You for Your grace and mercy. Lord, we thank You again most of all for Your Son Jesus who went to Calvary and paid a debt He did not owe because we had a debt we could not pay. God, I pray today as we leave here that Lord, You would convict hearts. You would change lives. Lord, I... I speak to myself that I don't want to seek anything else. I don't want to put other things ahead of You. I don't want to be cowardly. I don't want to look to other things that are greater than You. God, I want to look to You, Your Son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that You renew us. You lift us up. You clothe us in Your peace. Give us a boldness as we go into the world that we would proclaim You and You alone save. God, we thank You for all that You've done and You continue to do. We love You and praise Your name. Amen. Stand and worship with us, please.